Section 1 of the American Bee Journal, Volume 1, Number 2, February 1861. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Kristen Hand. The American Bee Journal, Volume 1, Number 2, February 1861, by Various. The Jirzen Theory By the Baron of Bergelopsch Number 2 The first proposition which we are now to consider is in the following words. 1. A colony of bees in its normal condition consists of three characteristically different kinds of individuals. The queens, the workers, and, at certain periods, the drones. All this will be readily conceded. But there are some apiarians who contend that there is, in every colony, a fourth kind, the black bees, quite as distinct as any of the others, and to which they ascribe the function of laying the drone eggs. This seems plausible, too, for it is an undeniable fact that bees do occur which are distinguished from the rest by their darker color, and the question can only be whether the blackness of those bees is an accidental trait or constitutes a characteristic difference. Dr. Magerstadt contends that the color is constitutional and enumerates besides not less than 12 other points of difference between these black bees and common workers. Thus, among other things, he alleges that these bees are black when they emerge from the brood cells, that their proboscis is much shorter, that they have no corbicula on their thighs, that they have a smaller sting and possess ovaries. It is hard to contend against facts, if these be facts, which I cannot concede. Among the many thousands of young bees which I have seen emerge from the brood cells, I never saw one come forth of any other color than a lightish gray. All the black bees I have ever observed in my apiary have probices as long as others, corbicula as deep, and stings as large. As regards the existence of ovaries, I cannot venture to decide, as I have neither the talents nor the instruments requisite for so delicate an investigation. In the interest of science, however, I will cheerfully pay the expense of an examination by some competent physiologist, provided his report be illustrated by drawings on a scale sufficiently large to show the eggs in the ovaries and render obvious to all the difference, if any, in the probices, stings, and corbicula. I would further suggest that before comparison is instituted, the specimens of common workers selected be deprived of their hirsutes, or at least thoroughly wetted. Possibly if this were done with an entire colony, the operator might discover that he has before him black bees exclusively, precisely similar in all respects to those which have been termed drone mothers. I am not disposed to be jocular, but there cannot be a doubt that all the allegations of Dr. Magerstedt, to which I have referred, rest on sheer delusion. Excepting the variation in color and the greater or less absence of hair, there is no physical difference whatever between the common and the black bees. The unprejudiced use of one's eyes is sufficient to settle this point conclusively. But in what way do these bees lose their hair? Or rather, how do they become black? Is it the result of age or of toil? Not precisely. Toil-worn veterans are easily known by their dark brown color and lacerated wings, whilst these are of a glossy soot color, sometimes even coal black, 
and have generally uninjured wings. The former are the kind which may be found in large numbers, almost every summer, when there are abundant and long-continued supplies of pasturage. They are the oldest among the workers, those which have labored longest and most industriously on the blossoms of such plants as the centauria, euphorbia, etc., and whose coats, as Mr. Frank graphically expressed it, have become seedy or shabby genteel in the service. The latter kind, the glossy sooty black, appear early in the spring, not indeed in every colony, nor in large numbers, but singly, here and there, and have all disappeared before autumn. Yet catch one of these, scrutinize it with utmost care, and you will find you have nothing but a common worker. I have often compared with each other these two differently shaded black bees, and have always found that the prime color of the latter was a sooty or glossy black while that of the former was a brownish black. This was the case still when the latter was more completely deprived of its hirsutes than the former. This led me to conjecture that the glossy sooty color did not result from the loss of hair, but that some other influences had operated on the corneous tunics of those bees. The common opinion is that the darker color of these bees results from them having been besmeared with honey, and that they are those precisely which have been most frequently and longest engaged in robbing other colonies of their stores. To test this, I made the following experiment. I set before a populous colony, in which I could not discover a single black bee, a plate of honey, and when it was densely covered with bees, I poured honey on them, and left them till they had been licked clean by their companions. I repeated this on four successive evenings, and finding that not one sooty black bee was to be found amongst them after the operation, I concluded that this peculiar color was not produced in the manner supposed. Nor could I find that it resulted from creeping through crannies and crevices, nor from occasional combats with bees in whose hives they attempted to intrude. Careful investigation satisfied me that nothing of this kind could produce the effect." Finally, an accident, or rather a mishap, led to the discovery of the cause and convinced me that Mr. Sudes had, as early as December 1848, substantially surmised the truth. In April 1852, I exhibited my glass hives to a friend then visiting me, who was so delighted therewith that he expressed a strong desire to obtain one. I promised to gratify him, but as the combs in mine were already much discolored, I proposed to stock a new hive for him, with a swarm at the proper season. A hive was immediately procured, and on the 19th of May I introduced in it an unusually large swarm. The bees had nearly all entered when a servant came to announce the arrival of company. To receive them, I left the work unfinished and could not return for nearly two hours. When I got back, I found the exterior of the hive densely covered with bees, and at once conjectured that another swarm had lit on it. The crowd had literally choked up the entrance, and from the great heat in the hive and the want of air, fully two-thirds of the bees were suffocated, and all were dripping with perspiration. As a sufficient number to form a colony still survived, and I did not find the queen among the dead, I set matters in order and placed the hive in my apiary. Next morning I was greatly astonished to see hundreds of glossy soot-black bees issuing from and entering this hive. For more convenient observation I transferred the colony next day to a more suitable hive, and soon satisfied myself that these black bees were Machukskas and Magerstadt's famous drone mothers, 
precisely similar in all respects to samples which I had seen on various occasions. 1. Their ocellae seemed more prominent, their bodies thinner and slenderer, their corbicula smaller and shallower, all because they had no hair. 2. The head seemed further and more distinctly separated from the thorax, and this again from the abdomen, because from the absence of hirsutes the insections were simply more obvious. 3. They appeared generally to be more supple and active than common workers, because from their nudity the movements of the limbs were more perceptible. 4. Many of them appeared to drag their abdomen along, as though their muscular power were somewhat impaired. 5. They carried in no pollen, or at most only mere rudimentary pellets, because these could not be securely retained in the corbicula denuded of their bristly fringe. 6. They showed no disposition, even in the pleasantest part of the day, when pasturage abounded, to rifle the flowers of their sweets. Hardly one in twenty which I examined had its honey bag filled, and then not with the nectar of flowers, but with pure honey. It is evident from this that robbing is their perilous pursuit, and that they no longer possess a predilection for gathering the nectar of flowers. 7. On every hand they endeavored to force their way into other colonies, because, in accordance with their natural instinct, they desired to appropriate honey, and the change which their physical structure had undergone disabled them to gather from flowers. When other bees attempted to seize them, they shrunk away timidly, or fawningly presented their proboscis, as all robbing bees are prone to do under such circumstances. 8. When hovering about a hive, doubtful of their reception, they hold their hinder legs suspended downward and rearward, as other robber bees do in similar circumstances, thus showing that they are consciously strangers. 9. Occasionally they succeeded in effecting an entrance, but generally they were seized and killed, or crippled, as such intruders usually are. 10. Observing on one occasion a considerable number of them entering a hive together, I watched for their return, caught several of them, and satisfied myself by an inspection of their well-gorged honey-bags that their object was to steal the garnered stores. 11. Their numbers decreased gradually, and by middle of August they had altogether disappeared. Now is not all this just the same as with the glossy black bees noticed in so many different districts, and about which some bee books make so much ado? And is it not thus demonstrated that their loss of hair and their glossy black color are ordinarily the effects of fright, perspiration, and exposure to a hot and humid atmosphere? I say ordinarily because I would not assert that other causes may not, at times, produce similar effects, though I much doubt whether merely wetting the bees thoroughly would work such a change of color and appearance. Often as, in the course of my experiments with bees, I had occasion to immerse entire colonies, not unfrequently keeping them wet for hours when searching for the queen or picking out the drones, I never saw that the bees changed color in consequence. I have often also noticed bees returning to their hives after a shower of rain in which they had been thoroughly drenched, but never perceived that the number of black bees was thereby increased. The foregoing remarks will serve to elucidate several other points. 1. The black bees usually make their appearance in early spring because during the winter the animal exhalations in the hive are strongest, most confined, and most penetrating. Some of the bees remaining quiet and almost motionless for a considerable period are consequently the more thoroughly exposed to the effects of these exhalations. 2. They disappear in the fall. 
because during the summer the causes producing them such as the one mentioned above are comparatively inoperative the bees being less confined to their hive those which were observed in the spring have either died from old age or were destroyed like the drones as useless members of the community three these black bees are not apt to sting because they are usually encountered at other hives than those to which they belong and being consciously trespassers and robbers they are timid and will not attempt to sting but eagerly seek to escape conscience making cowards of them all four their sting is not particularly painful because they do not like other bees edulcorate the nectar of flowers in their stomachs and hence probably secrete a less virulent poison is there not moreover in this respect a remarkable difference in the effect of stings in general is a sting as painful in early spring as it is when the lindens are in blossom these questions are not easily answered some persons also are so organized constitutionally or have in time become so habituated to the poison that in them the sting of a bee does not at any time or under any circumstance cause pain or swelling others are so accustomed to suppress their feelings that in all ordinary cases they grin and bear such inflictions without wincing others again are so exceedingly sensitive that a sting produces frightful swelling and dangerous illness who then can say that the sting of one bee is more or less painful than that of another five at the time of the general drone slaughter as well as at other times in summer dead black bees are occasionally found in front of the hives these may indeed be common black bees which have died a natural death or have been massacred and cast out but they may also be the common workers which were turned black in the agonies of death if they were killed by suffocation which is the usual process let any one examine a suffocated queen and see if in every instance she be not found of a glossy black color with but a faint trace of yellow and that workers also are at times subjected to the same species of capital punishment is too well known to require proof six they usually disappear at the general expulsion of the drones because at that period all useless members of the community are banished it is however not correct to say that they are expelled en masse simultaneously with the drones though till recently i was myself of that opinion at this period many are cast out and an unusual number of dead black bees are observed and it thus came to be inferred that they are expelled or killed in the same manner and as regularly as the drones on the whole more died from superannuation than from any other cause having thus disposed of the case of the black bees which is the only one ever seriously relied on as contravening the first proposition of the denzian theory we shall in our next number proceed to the consideration of the second proposition end of section one